This is Judith Zimmerman talking to you from Frankfurt, Germany with Cut to the Chase. Welcome to another episode of Cut to the Chase, episode 34. Everything happens for a reason. Wow, that is a really, really tough thing to say, Greg. Why would you say that? Does everything happen for a reason? Well, when people have to cope with difficult situations in their lives, they sometimes reassure themselves by saying everything happens for a reason. For people, thinking this way makes it easier to deal with relationships, problems, financial crisis, disease, death, natural disasters. It can be distressed to think that bad things happen merely through chance or accident. But do they? And so today, to my listeners, I have a special guest. I call her my Saturday conversation. It's just like my brother's Sunday conversation. She's a good friend of mine. When we got to meet each other for the very first time, it was like, I say like brother and sister. I mean, it was it was very therapeutic because we had so many things. It was like coincidental. You know, I was actually saying, does this happen for a reason? Because we never really talked to a level that we actually talked to when we first met and we realized this dot connected, that dot connected, and so forth and so on. So to our listeners, our special guest today is Miss Judith Zimmerman. She's a professional with international experience in data analytics, visualization, process management, project management, internal controls, compliance, financial analysis, in large multicultural international organizations within many different verticals. I, I just can't say Judith's got a lot of experience, not only in the financial service industry, oil and gas, chemical industry, waste industry, so forth and so on. So Judith has also worked as a PMO governance risk lead. She's also worked as a financial controller. She's also worked as a program controller a project cost controller. She's worked as a senior financial analyst. She's worked as a compliance officer. She's also worked as a risk assessment analyst lead. Judith is educated through a BS at Virginia Commonwealth University, also an MBA from the University of Phoenix. She got her PMP in 2004. She has been learning Python, or actually from what I know, she knows Python. In business, she's known for data, data mining, data analysis, trending and forecasting, creating visualization and dashboards, process improvement, streamlining using data and report tools. Personally, she enjoys traveling with her husband, enjoys her two beautiful dogs, and enjoys being close now because we're broadcasting this from Germany, where her sister lives. And one of the unique things that I've recently found out with my dear friend here is that she has been spinning wool into yarn and preparing to make fleeces. And so she started crocheting and, and, and knitting basically through being self-taught. And so Judith, sometimes I don't do a great job when I introduce my special guests. Do you have any opening remarks? <laughs> no, you make me sound a little uh, flighty, I think, hearing my own resume and you know what I like to do it's like wow you know I've, I've touched on a lot of different things throughout my life um, but yeah no that was a really good intro and I appreciate that well absolutely my friend absolutely certainly uh, 
We're delighted to have you on board. We're delighted to dive into this topic. I think it's it's a topic that's in the relevant. It's a topic that's in the now. Uh, everyone is coping. Everyone's dealing with you name it. There's just so many things going on in the world today. And as you know, we we here at Cut to the Chase just like to bring it to the forefront and basically help people move forward with thriving based on these things that impact us. And so let's kind of dive into some things here that uh, that I've kind of taken away from some research that my team went off and did. And so before we actually get into some of the things regarding your backstory, mm-hmm. I want to read something here that basically my wife shared with me, which was just one of these things that I'm like, hey, we have this, this, this sign posted up in our kitchen. It says, I believe everything happens for a reason. People change so that you can learn to let go. Things go wrong so that you appreciate them when they go right. You believe lies, so eventually you learn to trust. No one but yourself, and sometimes good things fall apart, so better things fall into place. And we have this big, huge quote up on our up on our wall in our kitchen, right? And I, I never knew until she did this research for me, and she goes, well, Marilyn Monroe said that. And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> that's, that's wild. That is pretty wild. That's pretty wild. So... So tell me, Judith, let's let's kind of jump into some defining moments with you. Um, at the age of 11, you know, um, let's talk a little bit about some of the things that kind of happened to you in, in the early stages of your of your adolescent uh, life. So um, when you came to me with this topic, I thought, OK, this made me take a really hard look at my life. And I was like. I could narrow down a four specific p- things that happened in my life that were pivotal, you know, yeah. that were defining. And right now I feel like I'm going through a fifth one with COVID and, and, um, so like these things happen and it's like, do you recognize them when you're in the moment? I think the older you get, the more you're able to do that. But I, the very first one that I think was, supremely defining for me was when I was 11 and um, growing up uh, we grew up we were very poor Um, my mother was a teenage mother Um, my father was an alcoholic and a drug addict and my mother did drugs and um, they got divorced when I was 11 and then my mother took up with a gentleman that was a drug dealer and he was prone to very violent outbursts and stuff. And at this point in my life, I had my first experience with a quote unquote normal family mm-hmm. and saw that not everybody lived like we lived. Mm-hmm. Um, like to the point where I had no idea, like food was rationed in my house. So because there wasn't enough. And um, was shocked when I went to stay at a friend's house for the first time. And the parents sat down with the kids for dinner and um, food wasn't rationed. You could only have so much. You could have seconds. Um, the parents didn't argue and fight. Like it was, it was shocking to me. Mm-hmm. And in, 
experiencing that. And then in the middle of one of these violent arguments at two o'clock in the morning, I had this epiphany. I thought to myself, this is not the life I want. Mm -hmm. This is, I don't want to live my life like this. I want peace in my house. And what am I going to have to do to get that peace? And I know a lot of 11-year-olds don't have these thoughts, but I thought I have to go to college. Um, I have to finish high school. I have to go to college so that I can do something so that I can support myself, pay my own bills, and I don't have to worry about being evicted or not having electricity or do I have enough money for food. And that right there is one of my very first self-aware moments that I have in my life. And, and I think that if I didn't live the way that I lived as a child, I don't think that I would be as successful as I am now. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. now I, you know, I have the things that I wanted when I was 11. I have my house is my place of peace. Mm-hmm. Um, I swore that I would never be with somebody that was violent or screamed and yelled. My husband and I have disagreements, but we discuss them. We never raise our voices to each other. We never call each other names. Um, we have plenty of food. You know, it's like we have, we have money for retirement. Like all the things that I identified when I was 11 that I don't want this. Like brought me to the point that I am today in my career, in my relationship and things. So, I mean, I, I just think it's, it's, you know, things happen for a reason. If I didn't, if that didn't happen, then I wouldn't have been incentivized to be what I am today. Yeah. Yeah. So, so basically, you know, as you were stating, you, you had this, this epiphany as a child. And I think, you know, I've, I can actually relate with, you know, kind of what you're saying, but not to the extent or to the degree, degree, because, you know, when I was, I want to say when I was 17, my, my epiphany was as living in Mississippi was, you know, I wanted to get out because I was seeing people that I went to school with family and friends that were going off, uh, becoming doctors and lawyers and things like that. And instead of going into a, a career profession that they had been educated in, they were coming back working at McDonald's and Taco Bell and, and doing those type of things. And I was saying to myself, this is not the life that I want to live. If I'm going to spend all of my parents money, or if I have to go through and get all these college loans, you know, I don't want to be in the position where I'm still working at McDonald's because I'm doing that at the age of 15 or 16 or whatever mm-hmm. age it was. And so, you know, I, I can truly relate to you. I mean, you know, certainly that must've been a very traumatic type of situation you know i i I know that uh these things leave you know very much a kind of a an emotional drain on not only being a a child but even well into adulthood and i know it can be very very tumultuous to uh to kind of cope with these type of things and we appreciate you sharing that with us so let's try let's try and advance this a little bit at the age of 15 you know, you were still kind of caught in this tranche of what was going on in your home life. But at the age of 15, it looks like from what what we've what we've talked about here is uh, or excuse me, from what we've discovered is that your mom met her third husband. Mm-hmm. And what happened there? 
Um, well, he didn't want, uh, want my sister and I in his house. And so she tried to stick us in a house next door to my grandmother and pay the bills and leave us. But my grandmother wasn't having anything to do with that. She's like, no, you have to take them with you. Um, but you know, it, I just want to say therapy is a great thing, right? And so, you know, these things, you know, a lot of people, they, they take these emotional wounds and they, they hold them back sometimes. And I'm really blessed that, um, that's not the case with me. They, they most certainly shaped the person that I am. Mm -hmm. Um, but, um, you know, I, I, I'm thankful that these things happen because I wouldn't be me without them. Right. So basically her third husband couldn't stand me specifically. And, um, so she tried to quote unquote solve that problem, but I ended up living with them until, uh, right after I turned 17, um, when she kicked me out, it was the second time she kicked me out. The first time was when I was 16 and the second time was when I was 17. And, um, and when I was 16, my boyfriend at the time was 21 and he just basically said, look, she can have me arrested. <laughs> so if you could just suck it up for a little bit longer, if she kicks you out again, he's like, I'll come get you. You won't have to come back. And she did kick me out again. And I did end up going to live with my boyfriend at the time. Um, and we uh, stayed together. I kept going to high school because I was completely committed to getting my college education. So I finished out high school living with my boyfriend. And the things that I learned after getting kicked out, um, I had a school. So a couple things happened. I had a school trip and I was trying to pick up a, a second part-time job before class. Mm -hmm. um, and the things that I learned from that, which I never would have learned if this hadn't happened, is how to draw my boundaries, um, how to go with my gut. So I had a girl's mom was talking to us and we were getting ready to go on this field trip. She was talking about boys and she's like, girls need to know no is a complete sentence. Right. You don't have to justify it. You don't have to explain it. No means no. No is a complete sentence. And people have to, um, you know, they have to listen to you when you say that. Sure. That resonated with me. And then the second thing that I never would have been taught if I hadn't been, you know, in this situation is I was going to be a newspaper person, believe it or not. I was going to deliver newspapers in the morning uh, before I went to high school in my classes. And the gentleman that was quote unquote training me, he was a Vietnam veteran. Okay. And when he found out my situation, looking back now as an adult, you know, I'm probably the age he was when he met me. And I, I'm sure he was appalled that I was kicked out, living on my own, just turned 17. And the thing that he shared with me is he's like, when he was in Vietnam, he's like, one of the things you realize very quickly, if you want to stay alive is you listen to your gut because you have these instincts in your, your body and your mind, like collect all this information and all this data. And 
people don't listen to that anymore, right? You're, you're, it's civilized out of you. And so he told me, he's like, look, you're in a vulnerable position. He goes, if you feel like you're in danger, if you feel uncomfortable, he goes, you need to get yourself out of the situation immediately. He goes, don't talk yourself into staying. He's like, you don't have to, you know, be nice to anybody. You don't have to think about anybody else's um, feelings if you feel like you're in danger. He's like, there's a reason why you feel like that and you need to remove yourself from the situation or you're going to find yourself raped, mugged, killed, whatever. And the funny thing is neither one of those people that had such an impact on the development of my personality and my life, I don't remember either one of their names, but I tell you 100% that that advice that man gave me probably saved me more than once. Um, and the advice that that woman gave primarily to her daughter, but I was there listening to, um, allowed me to build boundaries and relationships, whether they be personal or, you know, in business. Um, and it just really, those two things, my whole entire life, like, Whenever I speak to young people or I have friends, like the first thing I say that, well, do you think I should do this? I'm like, first thing out of your head, do you want to do this? Yes or no. The very first thing, that's what you go with. Right. And the other thing I tell my friends when they're asking me for advice, I'm like, you can say no. Mm-hmm. It's okay. Right. Right. Well, that, that, uh, Man, that 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 story really, really, really touches my soul. I mean, I, I certainly appreciate you you sharing that. That's uh, those are things that, like you said, they just resonate with you. They carry you in life. They really carry you forward. You know, they're your they're your survival mechanism um, as, as you in, encounter different adversity in life. So as we kind of fast track, you know, from the age of fifteen. You know, you're, you're, you graduate at high school, you go off to college, and now at the age of 30, um, you know, kind of walk us through, you know, I, I see here you, you said you would never wed again. And, and so for me, even when I read, even when I read this, I was be asking my... Be in a wedding again. <laughs> okay. Okay. Be in a wedding again. Be in a wedding. So walk us through that. I mean, because now now you're the age of 30. You've gone through all this, these uh, adversities and challenges and obstacles in your life. And you find your husband. So so what, what was that like? So everything happens for a reason, right? So it, it, doesn't, it doesn't have to be a bad thing. It doesn't have to be financial devastation. It doesn't have to be a loss. It doesn't have to be everything happens for a reason, right? So that can be good things too. That's right. That's right. So, you know, you, when you're in your late twenties and early thirties, you know, you, 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 you in all these weddings, everybody's getting married. Mm-hmm. You know? So from the age of like 20 to 30, I had been in six weddings. I was the wow. bridesmaid or maid of honor in six weddings. And the majority of those, like, Weddings are so stressful. Mm-hmm. Right? It can bring out the best or the worst in people. And 
it's after the sixth wedding I was in, I was like, never again. Right. It's so stressful. People aren't really that happy. They don't really seem like they're even having a good time. I'm like, I can't do this again. I'll go, but I'm not going to be in a wedding again. Sure. Sure. So a girlfriend of mine, she had, you know, she invited me to her wedding. She's a really great person. I'm still in touch with her. And uh, she knew how I felt. And so she didn't ask me to be in her wedding party. And then two of her bridesmaids dropped out unexpectedly. And she came to me and she was very upset. And I was like, if you want me to be in your wedding, I'll be happy to. And she's like, yes. Mm -hmm. And I'm so thankful that I did that. One, because she had the happiest wedding. Like she was the happiest person. Like there was no drama. Like she didn't care if anything went wrong. The flowers didn't show up. Like, you know, things that have sent brides into total epic meltdown in, in the past that I had witnessed. Like she was like, who cares? I'm getting married. You know, this is a party. I'm having fun, you know? Right. And then I met my husband. He was a groomsman. I was a bridesmaid. And I met this person and we clicked instantly. Mm-hmm. It was crazy. Um, I had been a serial dater up to that point. And wow. Not something I say probably with pride, but I was. I was. My girlfriends used to say, "Oh, you date like a man." And, but you know, it's like it comes back to knowing what you want, being able to say no, going with your gut. Like as soon as it was a no, it was a no for me. You know, it's like. So I was a serial dater, and I met my husband, and we were in this uh, wedding together, and. We were talking and I had heard that he had a girlfriend. I was like, oh, of course, you know, a guy I'm really interested in. He's, he's, you know, with somebody. Mm-hmm. And then halfway through the reception, um, the bride came up and she was like, uh, I was wrong. He's single. Huh. I was wow. like, huh. And so we, you know, danced the night away. We spent the night together. Um, we did not hook up. Uh, we spent the night together and the next day he had to leave town and, um, he was dropping me home and I looked at him and I was like, uh, yeah, you're the one I'm going to marry. Wow. And he's like, okay. (laughs) So he was on board with it. And then I was seeing like two or three other guys when I met him. And, um, so I called him up and I was very upfront and I was like, look, I met the guy I'm going to marry. Um, I'm really sorry, but I'm, please don't call or, or come by anymore. Yeah. And 14 months later we were married. Wow. And if I hadn't agreed to be a bridesmaid, I wouldn't have had that, um, you know, interaction with him. And I wouldn't have figured out that he was the one I would have just been a guest at the wedding. I never would have uh, met him or talked to him or, you know. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. You're right. I mean, that, that was, that was a good reason for things to happen the way that they did. And, and certainly, uh, you know, hats off to you. And, and, um, you know, I, I know you've been very happily married for the years that I've known you and, uh, I'm, I'm greatly appreciative of, of your, your happiness because that's been something that, uh, being around you and being a real person is, is, is brought us a lot of joys. 
in the challenges. <laughs> well, you know, and this is the thing I tell people too. Like everybody's like, oh, you're so happy. Well, just because I'm happy in my marriage doesn't mean that it's not work. And you know, you know as well as yeah. I do. Marriage oh, yeah. work. It's not, you know, the happily ever after Cinderella, but you know, you have to work and you have to work hard. But man, like I'm so grateful that I said yes, you know, and because mm -hmm. our life together has been, you know, we've had our ups and downs, but it's been amazing. Right, right, right. Absolutely. I think I think that happens uh, to all of us at different times in our lives. And certainly, uh, you know, if you're with the right partner, it can make it uh, an everlasting journey uh, mm -hmm. to have someone beside you. So let's let's talk a little bit about uh, you know you met your husband and then basically I think here in 2003 you you were you were laid off and uh, trying to figure out you know your work life balance and and you know what what was going to be next for you can you walk us through that which brings us up to to kind of uh, you know um, what on now yeah yeah where are uh, you at now yeah so so after we got married. Um, I got laid off. It was the first time I'd ever been laid off. It was the downturn, like in 2002, 2003, that big downturn. Um, and uh, the company I was with laid off uh, about 50% of their workforce. And I was one of the last ones to be laid off. And it's like, you know what? It's It was, it was hard because, gosh, you know, it's kind of like being rejected. You know what I mean? You know, you kind of internalize that and I'm not good enough and, you know, did I do something wrong? Whereas the fact is, is that I didn't do anything wrong. I was good enough. You know, all my reviews were fives and it's just that they had to make some tough decisions and I happened to be one of those tough decisions and it wasn't personal um, at all. And, but once, you know, I kind of go, got over that little bit of a, oh crap. Sammy and I started to think, you know, well, this is a really good time, you know, to let's move overseas. You know, he had the opportunity with his company. So we started working towards that goal. So I started doing contract work so that I wouldn't be tied into a specific company. And um, because we knew we had this goal. So we started working towards that. And I think that if I hadn't been laid off, that we wouldn't have sat down and had like a planning session to because some of the things we decided we really actually talked about was who is more invested in their career because it's really difficult for both people to be completely invested in the career and you know wanting to be ceo because that takes a lot of work sure sure and and we recognized that because we were both working a ton. And once I got laid off, I took a step back and I was like, do I really want to work this hard? Do I want to work 70, 80 hours a week? I was at work by 6.30 in the morning. I wasn't getting home until 7, 8 o'clock at night. I was working on the weekends. And I still got laid off. Mm -hmm. Again, like I totally understood the business decision behind that. Um, but it made me take a step back. And then also Sammy is like, passionate about his job uh -huh. like he loves what he does and he's extremely passionate about it and so basically we sat down and made a broad life plan you know 
What does work-life balance look like for us? Where do we want to live? What do we want to do? Where do we see this going? And we basically decided that my career would take a backseat to his. And this was my decision because he's fully 100% supportive if I also want to, you know, be the primary, right? But his field is very small compared to my field. As you can see from my resume, what I do, I can do anywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, analysis, reporting, you know, being a PM, I can do that in any industry in any country. Mm-hmm. His his industry is much more uh, defined. He's an environmental uh, in the environment, environmental field, and so it's a very small uh, niche market. Sure. So we decided that, or I decided that I would be cool just you know going where he needed to go and just working in my field wherever we happened to be which has worked out really well for us over the years and then um, we also both really thought it would be exciting to live in Europe so this whole thing of being laid off like it wasn't a bad thing Um, we obviously had the oh moment when uh, we had to quickly rejigger our finances and you know, um, but it, it really worked out for the best. And then now we're in Germany and, um, I don't speak German, so I haven't really been able to find a job, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but everything happens for a reason. Yeah. yeah. And I have been yeah. really exploring my creative side. <laughs> Yeah. So, how many how many fleets or sweaters have you uh, crocheted since you since you've been over there? So, when I say fleece, what I mean is I actually take the raw wool. So you know how they shear a sheep and you get a fleece off the sheep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. So you take that fleece and you skirt it, which means you get all the vegetable matter off of it. Um, you beat it to get the dust and stuff off of it and then you start pulling it apart and carding it which is basically brushing it so all the fibers lay the same way Uh and so I have two things that I like to do I like to spin the wool into yarn which then you can crochet or knit or whatever and you can also felt and I love felting. Mm. So I make vessels. You can. I've made rugs. Um, it's a very ancient way of processing wool. Right. Right. So it's you know. So I'm thinking I'm amassing all this stuff. That I make baskets. You know, I crochet baskets with the wool and all that. And. Um, I'm setting up an Etsy shop and a YouTube channel to explore this and to sell because I make so much stuff because I enjoy it, mm-hmm. but you can only you know, use so many baskets. You can only use so many vessels or you know, vases or whatever, and it just starts collecting. <laughs> you, can only sure, make, sure. you can only crochet so many Afghans. So I'm like, well, I'm just going to set these things up and I'm going to try to sell it. So I'm, I'm exploring my creative side 
And maybe that will segue into something more. Maybe it won't. But with being unemployed and being trapped in Germany because we were supposed to come home in May, mm-hmm. but because of COVID, we're still here. Um, I'm like, well, let's let's give this a whirl and explore it because you know maybe this is something that I will really just develop a passion. I have a passion for it, but maybe I can take it somewhere. Sure. 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 Wow. Well, that's, that's uh man, you know, it's rather ironic how many different variations of things we, we have in common, you know, as far as rebranding ourselves and kind of uh, retooling, putting, putting different tools in our toolkits and leveraging our skills and capabilities, uh, you know, into other ventures. I, I think that's, uh, that's highly commendable of you to, to be able to, uh, to pick that up and be able to be self-taught and uh and now like you said you're producing so much volume that you've got to figure out a way to kind of put it out there on the open market and certainly that's uh that's great i mean you know i mean it's it's kind of like us talking about you know in one of our saturday conversations about me starting the podcast (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) yeah well listen judith this has been this has been outstanding you know we certainly appreciate you sharing your story with us. We appreciate, um, you know, your, your vulnerability to kind of take us through that timeline, you know, some of those, uh, read or excuse me, some of those defining moments that, that really got you to the reason and to the end state and becoming the person that you are today. And so do you have any final remarks for our listeners? Any takeaways? Well, I, I think, the big thing is, especially with the COVID and everything that's going on in America, is that, um, you know, good things come out of seemingly bad situations. Um, mm-hmm. And sometimes the situations aren't, aren't horrible and even better things come out of that. But it's... it's take a step back and like look at everything that's going on and try to find the good in it and try to find, you know, where you can pivot and, and look at things as an opportunity and try not to get sucked down by the negativity. Um, that's one of the things over the years I've worked really hard on is, is trying to always look at the positive, like, okay, so I can't find a job. I can't come home. You know, I could just drag myself down and, spiral into depression if that's what I thought about you know but no that's not what so how many times in your life do you get an enforced opportunity to do something that you wouldn't normally do and what can you do with that like all the blessings I have okay so I can't come home and I'm stuck in Germany but my family's with me um and thank god you know my husband didn't lose his job. And so what can I do? Look at all these things I've been amassing over the years because I'm a collector and a hoarder. If something catches my eye, I, I like to take it. So I have all this yarn. What can I do? Ooh, let me teach myself how to crochet. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, I have these fleeces I haven't done anything with. I've just been lugging them around because, oh, they're pretty. Let me do something with that, you know? And so as much as I love doing what I do in business, I can't do that right now. So let me try the other things that I've found that I love and try them. So I think 
the biggest thing I would say is, is try to look at the positive, you know, even, you know, if it, everything seems dark and horrible, like when I was 11 and I felt trapped and, and I had no control and, you know, cause when you're a child, you don't have any control. You're at the mercy of the adults around you. Still, I thought through what can I do? How can I get myself out of this? Even though literally nothing I could do for another seven years. Um, it's like, try to look at that, you know, look at how, how can I twist this to benefit me to get myself out of this? Don't succumb to the darkness, you know, because there's always light. Sure. Sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. And certainly, certainly appreciate you sharing that. Excuse me. So, I've kind of got two quotes and then a a very quick final remark uh, that I'd like to interject into our our wrap up here. So one one thing that my team provided to me was kind of some uh, some advice points that they picked up from, you know, popular people. And one of them happens to read miracles happen every day. Change your perception of what a miracle is and you will see them all around you. That was a quote from Bon Jovi. And the, the next quote that I want to read very quickly before I jump into the, the wrap-up session here is, some people want it to happen. Some wish it will happen. Others make it happen. And that came from his heir, Jordan, which is someone that, uh, you know, back in the heyday, I think everyone would, would certainly believe that... Uh, there was no one greater than him in the game of basketball, for mm-hmm. sure. And so basically, to kind of wrap up, everything happens for a reason. And I'm going to go back, as we talked about, since you are since you are crocheting and you, you mentioned the word ancient. It's kind of funny. It was like you're reading, reading my script. Aristotle believed that everything happen, happening to you today has a purpose. Because it turns you into the person you're becoming. Everything happens to you has a reason. But there is a way to think about that empowers you in life. And there you go, folks. All of our listeners. Judith, I'm going to extend you a virtual hug from Texas to Germany. Thank you. You know. My, my hats go off to you. It's been a joy not only having you as a professional colleague, but as a friend. I truly appreciate where our relationship has grown. I, I value you immensely as a person, professionally, ethically. I mean, you know, we have some some of our Saturday conversations, even via text, you know, mm-hmm. is, is, is just it's, it's, it's just real. You know, it's, it's just authentic. And, uh, you know, I enjoy enjoy having you as as a friend and. Be safe over there. We're, we're definitely keeping our thoughts and prayers out for you to get back to the U.S. safely. And to everyone that is listening, uh, we would like to wrap up. This is episode 34, Everything Happens for a Reason, featuring Judith Zimmerman. This is Greg Proctor. <laughs> this is Greg Proctor, your host. Judith, we'd like to say goodbye. And uh, take care, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.